Well, Robbie, I can't date a 12-year-old. I mean, sure, when I was six, but it's different now. <laughs> Do you understand? No. I don't understand. Well, good, I'm glad. What? You think I gave you beef and roses just to get blown off? The Bennett family motto is, we see it, we want it, we get it. Well, the Bundy family motto is, it sees us, insults us, we kick its ass. Let's rock. I get a open. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast for a special live in studio recording with two of your favorite hosts, Tyler and Steven. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have seen lost in space at all, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Absolutely, Steven, and I, for one, am always a gentleman and know how to treat a lady by allowing her to shout her order into the clown's head. Wow, you're an impressive dater. <laughs> 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 yeah, we're breaking up the format a little bit. Steven's actually podcasting live in Michigan. How are you doing, Steven? Doing well, even though that flight took a lot out of me. <laughs> and no, I didn't fly up here just for this. I'm on a vacation, and I thought I'd stop by and meet Tyler, and we had the great idea of recording this podcast together. Absolutely. So if you guys hear the audio sounds a little strange, it's because we're trying out the whole idea of sharing a mic back and forth. So uh, yeah, it's going to be kind of like a radio studio kind of thing going on. But at first, Stephen, I think we should tell the listeners what they're listening to because we never even title out the episode. No, we are reviewing The Undergraduate. Or as I like to call it, Kelly gets pimped out by her family yet again. Oh, God, yes. It's, it was directed by Amanda Bierce. The writers include Fran Koffer, Shimp, and the guest stars include, and we got quite a few, actually, on this one. If you go to it, you'll find out that Noah Sagan is Robbie Bennett, Billy Gallo as Stitch, one of Kelly's boyfriends, Harry S. Murphy as Mr. Bennett, Brad Blumenthal as Refreshment Guy, Damian Leake as Principal Al- Alberton, Christopher Miranda as Tommy, Lindsay Bartleson as Megan, Jessica Smith as Jenny, Kristen Moore as Julie, Bert L. Cook as Delivery Man, Matt Zeuser as Donald, and Megan Markle as Student Sitting on Stage. Uncredited. Uncredited indeed. I mean, we got to credit her now because Mary Children literally had royalty on their episode today. Oh, what about Buck as Buck the dog? Well, he's not a guest star. He's a regular. Yeah, playing yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah. He played himself? Or well, he played yeah, with himself? He was, no, uh, yeah. Both. <laughs> yeah, Kelly gets a secret admirer who sends food, perfumes, and flowers. All but Bud are excited about this. The admirer turns out to be 
The good news is Kelly's new boyfriend's a billionaire. How come you never send me roses? I don't like you, Peg. The bad news is he's only 12. How funny is this? Will Kelly marry a munchkin for money? I can do this with my eyes closed and my hands tied behind my back. That's sort of like one of your real dates then, right? Married with Children, season finale tonight. This is called The Undergraduate. And that is a play off of the 1967 movie called The Graduate. It's, it's an American romantic comedy drama directed by Mike Nichols. It was written by Buck Henry and Calder Willingham, based on the 1963 novel of the same name by Charles Webb. He wrote it after graduating from Williams College, and it tells the story of a 21-year-old Benjamin Braddock, played by Dustin Hoffman, a recent college graduate with no well-defined aim in life who is seduced by an older woman, Mrs. Robinson, played by Anne Bancroft. But then Dustin Hoffman falls in love with their daughter, Elaine, played by Catherine Ross. Yes, absolutely, Stephen. Uh, the Undergraduate definitely goes with the title The Graduate, which also has a, like you just said, Dustin Hoffman being a young man dating an older woman. And we've got... Both of those things happening in this episode towards yes, the end. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It is. Uh, and by the way, did you ever see that movie, The Graduate? I have. Yeah. It's all about plastics. Yes. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I watched it when I was like, that came out the year I was born, and I saw it for the first time. I think I was eleven, maybe twelve. So I really didn't understand a lot of it, except for one thing. I saw a brief glimpse of Anne Bancroft's boobs. Oh, see. I was 17 when I saw this. It was it came out way before I was born, but I did see it at 17. So I was uh, Dustin Hoffman's age, and I completely understand everything Dustin Hoffman is feeling through it. It is very strange the idea that a older, attractive woman would be interested in you. That age would totally just fuck with your mind. It really does. Like. <laughs> It does, and I'll tell you, there was a woman in my neighborhood who hit on me, she hit on my brother, and she hit on this other kid in the neighborhood after we all were mowing her lawns or something. Oh, uh, mowing her lawn, my, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Our brother, my brother and I, we thought, we're never going to mow for her again. <laughs> let, let me guess, what's her name? Elaine! Elaine! No, it was Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> oh, boy. But, um, but yes, yeah, so, uh, listeners, like I said, we're going to break from format a little bit because me and Steven already got a chance to chit-chat about this right after watching it. Um, spoiler alert, neither of us are quite fond of this episode. Yes, it was kind of a disappointment. This is a season finale. This was the last one of season nine. And usually, last season eight, their finale was really good. That was when Kelly was on the game show. What was that one called? I forget. That one was called... I forget, too. We'll, we'll, we'll add it in later. But anyway, you know, that was a classic one. It was hilarious. We both enjoyed it. And usually when TV writers are, are working on their scripts, you know, the last three or four in the May sweeps month, they're trying to you know, boost their show up for a good finale to, you know, determine their ad rates for the following year. So, anyway, you just expect more out of the season finale of any type of show. Absolutely. And that we might be seeing the decline that was happening 
during that time where they're not just worried about those things, possibly because I call this a hangover episode where you could just not really pay attention. It's not going to really grab you and you can kind of tune in, tune out, and before you know it, it's over. But yeah, there's no B-plot besides Peggy and Al eating food. Nope. There's none. There's only one 30-second glimpse of Jefferson and no Amanda Bierce at all because she was behind the camera directing, I think. I think that's the only reason. Yeah. I mean, we know that, but that's why she... It's just weird to see Jefferson without uh, Marcy. It's strange. And there's no, as you put it, no, no, ma'am. And they've been a big part of this season so far. Yeah, and I thought it would have been better to include them in the season finale. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these, like, gross, over, like, overweight men totally could have had some creepy stuff to say about uh, Kelly and her love life and everything. I'm just... No, I don't know. when I forgot when they aired I Want My Psycho Dad, part one and two. But I thought that would have been more fitting as a season finale. Don't you think? I... Maybe not because of the... Uh, because of the part one and two, unless they're going to do part one as a season finale and then part two as a season ten opener. But, yeah, I know what you mean. It's a weird episode to go out. I would not feel comfortable if when this was airing thinking that season ten may not even happen. Of course, I really haven't looked at the production order. The production order may have been different. Maybe that was filmed earlier, and then they just pushed it back. That happens sometimes. So yeah, even in production order, uh, me and Stephen were both spitballing that this might have been created earlier, and then they decided to throw it out, but and throw it out at the end. But no, we're lo- I, I looked at our notes and found that for the most part, all these all these episodes were made in the order that they were going to be released. So some someone's not someone's sleeping behind the switch on this one, but yeah. there is some fun things to talk about. Let's talk about the opening, this strange, strange opening, because listeners, me and Steven just watched it together on my, on my TV in the living room, and the first thing we both said was, that doesn't look like a steak. No, they are not eating a steak. Oh, boy. <laughs> steak again, Peg. <laughs> well, that's four nights in a row. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Al. But steak is all that Kelly's secret admirer sent over. <laughs> thought we had a lobster around here. Wonder what could have happened to it. <laughs> no drawn butter? What do they think I am? Uh, Bud, would you like some creme brulee? No, I don't want any creme brulee. Good, more for me. <laughs> Aren't you two just the least bit curious about who's sending all this stuff? I mean, some mystery guy sees Kelly on a commercial and starts lavishing us all with presents. He could be a maniac. Oh, bud. Maniacs don't send nice gifts like roses and chocolates and Chanel number no. five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, for one, will not gorge myself on my sister's misfortune. That's true.
They call it steak, and I thought it looked like veal. You thought it looked like day-old roast beef. Yeah, it looked really gross. Yeah. Creme brulee, which I've never had. But that actually looked like real creme brulee. I'll give them that. I don't even know what creme brulee looks like. Uh, it's like this um, It's like this pudding that I think you set it on fire and then blow it out and then eat it, I think. It, it looked like they had real food on their table. Sounds like a flaming mose. <laughs> remember that Simpsons episode. Yes, uh, yeah, like, there's no cough syrup, though, in, in creme brulee, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, and then what else did, and, and this grossed me out. I don't, I just don't think anybody noticed it, but Peggy's got Chanel number no. 5 that was given for Kelly and that they're using, but she sprays it over their food. Ugh! Ugh, yeah. You know, and I think we kind of missed out that, uh, you know, because Bud is objecting to this. Because Kelly is getting all this stuff from a secret admirer. Mm, yes, you're right. And, of course, Al and Peg aren't questioning it. They're eating. Bud is. And it's kind of weird because he he's showing he cares for his sister somehow. And that's kind of weird. He says, I will not eat, you know, when my sister's being exploited. Since when does Bud give a shit about Kelly like that? Well, remember, in many episodes, we do see that the Bundys... Stick together now. Al and Peggy are older, and I think food is changing their their ideas. Especially Al. <laughs> Especially Al, absolutely. So I think the fact that their food is being given there, that they're actually concerned. If they weren't getting anything out of this, and remember, when you're an older person, food is more important. When you're a younger person, sex is more important than food. And Bud ain't getting any, unless you count his hand. Oh, since I made it, I, I I threw it out there as a joke that Buck, as Buck the dog, but we forgot to mention Buck. He was eating lobster. Yeah. That SOB got to have lobster. Surf and, he, and turf, steak and, and lobster was given to the Bundys. And he was wearing a bib, too. A bit, a red lobster bib, too. That, that is a bib from Red Lobster, and the lobster in his bowl literally looked like it was on the wall from Red Lobster. <laughs> Hey guys. Guess what my secret admirer brought for me today? Twelve long stem roses. Al, how come you never send me roses? I don't like you, Peg. Anyway, Mom, I was at my audition for Easy Off Jeans. You know, the jeans so tight that you're the only one who knows you're wearing pants. Now, this is a nationwide commercial. I mean, all 13 colonies. <laughs> so naturally, I was really nervous. And all of a sudden, this delivery guy brings me these flowers. Oh. <laughs> Any pork? No, Daddy. But the card said that my secret admirer is going to come over here today at 5.30. Tell him to bring pork. <laughs> Dad, don't you know what that means? He's stalking her. I know, I've done this to women. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know, I, I watch a lot of Eric Roberts movies. Budkenstein, first of all, following your hand to bed is not considered stalking. Oh boy, Kelly is up for this commercial. Looking really awesome, by the way. If it, oh yeah. We, we can complain about a lot. Christina Applegate, 
no complaints. At this point, I want to say she looks like a woman. Mm. You know, in the earlier years when she was more of the sex pot, you know, that uh, a lot of high school guys would dream over, she has now become a woman that even older men would be interested in as something like that is going to happen in this one. I was very much like the boys getting punch at the dance or later in the episode. Oh, yeah. When you're that age, you know, that's when the curiosity starts. That's when you discover, you know, your little friend. But like, as you said, yeah, that age, but even my age now at 31, I'm just like, I would be very intimidated to approach, to approach that woman. Like, even though she's 23. So yes, Kelly comes on in, uh, complaining, not complaining, but telling about her new job, doing a commercial for Easy Off Jeans. Now, (laughs) Easy Off Jeans. What immediately pops into your head, Stephen, with Easy Off Jeans? What's the immediate joke? Well, I just think it tells someone that someone is easy who, who wears them. I thought they were rip-away jeans, like easy yeah. off jeans. Jeans will be so easy to get off. No, they're jeans that hurt. Only jeans that make you feel like you're wearing nothing. So leggings. Yes, that'd be a good way to look at it. Yeah, she's sporting leggings, which... Get Christine Applegate some leggings, please. Mm. No, mm. <laughs> and, and she says it's going to air in all the 13 colonies. <laughs> oh, boy. Kelly is just has some good malapropisms. And, of course, this is more dumbassery, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I like how you gave them mal... Wait, say it again. Malapropisms. Yes, I just call them Kellyisms. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me that. Because there's some interesting ones. She's got so many that some that even the audience doesn't pick up on. Like there's yeah. later on she goes like, "Look, but I'm a woman, and felines like us." <laughs> <laughs> like I was just like, "Wait, did you say felines?" Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and that's a that was a funny thing. First of all, she got this Chanel number no. five. It was actually given to Kelly, and Bud is worried as some sort of maniac. And Peg says, Maniacs don't send nice g- gifts like roses and chocolates in Chanel number no. five. <laughs> uh, listeners, yes, they do. Don't, d- ladies out there, if that happens, it absolutely could be a maniac. Check it out. In fact, Bud says he has uh, stalked many women like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, <laughs> this is a stalker. Trust me, I know. I've done this. <laughs> he admits it was such, like, I'm an expert on stalking women or stalking felines. And the funny thing is, you know, he uh, he says with such boldness and then she shrinks back from it like you just realize, oh, I just made myself look like a fool <laughs> in front of my family as if he hasn't done that already. Oh, oh. boy. It's, it, and again, listeners, we, we sound like we're jumping all over the place, but this episode jumps all over the place too. So can't not be blamed for that. But also makes a reference to Eric Roberts. He said that he is, you know, when he talks about stalking, he says, I know I've done this to women. I mean, I mean, I watch a lot of Eric Roberts movies. Now, Eric Roberts is a really good American actor. He was born April 18th, 1956. His career began with a leading role in King of the Gypsies in 1978. That's when he received his first Golden Globe nomination. 
He was again recognized by the Golden Globes for his interpretation of Paul Snyder in Bob Fosse's Star 80. I remember that movie, 1983. And then Robert's performance in Runaway Train in 1985 as the prison escapee, Buck McGeehy, earned a nomination for a third Golden Globe and a nomination for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. His older brother of actress Julia Roberts, in case you all didn't know. He, in over 40 years, he has amassed more than 500 credits, including Raggedy Man, The Pope of Greenwich Village, The Specialist, Cecil B. Demented, National Security, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, The Dark Knight, yes, he was in that, The Expendables, and Inherent Vice. And he is uh, equally varied in television roles, including three seasons with the sitcom Less Than Perfect. And he also had a stint on The Young and the Restless, as well as Saved by the Light, the legal drama. Suits and Fox's The Finder and the Master in the 1996 Doctor Who television movie. Well, let me add some of my own Eric Roberts uh, trivia, because he popped up in a couple of movies that I was getting into not too recently, called Stalked by My Doctor. Yeah. Lifetime Originals and listeners, they're all available on Amazon Prime if you want to check them out. They're insane! They are absolutely nuts! So Eric Roberts plays a doctor, the titular doctor and stalked by my doctor, who, like Bud says, he's a master of it, stalks his patients, one patient in particular. And he goes on to play Four more versions of this. Stalked by my doctor, stalked by my neighbor, stalked by my friend, and stalked by my therapist. Where he is all of the characters who is stalking. And it's the same person who just keeps escaping before the authorities can get to him and escapes to another country and does it again. It's Mm. insane, but a lot of fun. Well, something interesting on that, he also played... um... Yuramakis. He was one of the suitors who tried to get Penelope in uh, the Odyssey. And he did a TV movie version where he was one of the suitors. Like I said, I think his name was Yuramakis. So he's stalking Penelope while Odysseus is gone. <laughs> now, in that TV movie, it came out in 97. But it's really, it's it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's a pretty decent adaptation. But uh, yeah, he's stalking Penelope for 16 years. Oh, boy. I mean, Eric Roberts... I he's becoming slowly one of my favorite character actors. Uh, just I'm loving every performance I see him in. So you know what, Bud. Eric Roberts is awesome. So don't make fun of him. Oh, th- th- by the way, I remember uh, this was uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was home. I decided to take in a couple of Mary with Children episodes. Went back to the first season. Al asked Bud, "What grade are you in?" He says fifth. That was the first season. Now, of course, Mary with Children. <laughs> Never go with consistency. Don't do it. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. How long she been out of high school? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about Bud here. Oh, jo- oh yeah, Bud. Yeah. He should have graduated about a year and started college about a year oh. or two before the show had him into college. Well, Bud is, let's not forget, Bud could be skipping grades and Kelly's being held back grades. So who, who knows? <laughs> yeah. She only had to do her junior year twice, I think. Yes, but anyway. Second of all, stalkers don't invite you to the opera. Look, L.A. Boom. 
That's La Boheme, you pin cushion. Mom, are you really gonna let Kelly go off with a complete and total stranger? Look, bud, I am a woman, and we felines have a way of picking the right guy. That's why nobody has picked you. Now, trust me, I know a Mr. Right when I see him. Kelly comes in, and uh, she's excited because she's gonna go to an opera called Le Bo Bo Bohemi, something like that. And Bud says, that's Le Boheme, you pincushion. That's an opera. Uh, I didn't know about it, but I've never seen it. I think I've only been to one opera my entire life. And I don't remember much about it. But it's an opera composed by Giacomo Puccini between 1893 and 1895. It was based on Senez de la Vivi Boheme by Henry Muger. Hope I'm saying these right. The story is set in Paris around 1830 and shows the bohemian lifestyle known as French as Le Bohème of a poor seamstress and her artist friends. Gives new meaning to the Queen song Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep, and the, song, and the term La Bohème pops up in the uh, very famous Broadway musical Rent where they sing basically describing all the strange things that bohemian lifestyle pops up into and you, pop culture also makes reference of it in the Sherlock Holmes film uh, stories where the king of Bohemia pops up a fake country landlocked between Germany and Spain I mean Germany and France where the Bohemian lifestyle came into a whole like actual country so basically Bohemian is artists and hipsters and anything that boomers and people from the greatest generation would hate. So, yeah. Yeah, probably. All right. So now we have the appearance of my favorite guest star of this entire episode, Kelly's lover, a former lover, and will soon be her current lover at the end, the great and wonderful Stitch. Kelly! Stitch, what are you doing here? <laughs> Kelly, I fear the chrome on the ball hitch of our love is flaking. <laughs> so tell me, you seeing someone else? Is there a Kelly Bundy here? I'm, I'm Kelly Bundy. Bundy. <laughs> Thanks. Just tell me, Kelly, I can take it. You seeing someone else? <laughs> Look, Stitch, it's nothing personal. It's just that I found someone who knows how to treat me like a lady. Hey, when we go out to dinner, don't I let you talk in the clown's head? <laughs> Listen, Stitch, what my daughter is trying to say is that... <laughs> she may not be ready for a commitment just yet. Take it personally, hey, I like you. And if you'd be happy with a friendship instead of a relationship, you can come here whenever you want to. <laughs> yes, yeah, Stitch. You know, I'm starting to miss Gunther because Stitch was a real Mormon. I keep going back to that line. I'm sorry, I have to do it. But uh, he is played by Billy Gallo. He was born November 7th, 1966 in Brooklyn, New York. He is an actor and producer known for Pretty Woman, Crash, 
and in the TV show Who's the Boss. He has also appeared in First Strike. He was in Days of Our Lives. We have a lot of soap uh, actors on this one who have experience with that. He was also in CSI Miami. He was in Without a Trace. I missed that old show. I thought that was a good one. Uh, he was also in Judging Amy. He was uh, had a role of uh, Captain Hutch. And he was also in NYPD Blue as well as Pacific Blue, if you're familiar with that one. I am not, but I will be. It's like so. Baywatch on bikes, <laughs> to give you an idea. I was just picturing them and, riding and, bikes slowly. And then here, yeah, and another one of those late 90s sexy things, VIP, and he was also in Clueless. He was Sunny. Oh, that was a TV series, excuse me. So, and Jag, he was in that show. And look, let's see where he got his first start. I always like to see their first starring roles. It was in General Hospital. General yeah. Hospital, folks. That's what I'm going to need for if we're going to be talking about General Hospital. Well, I never was a fan of soaps. I never I only knew their names. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, so yeah, he has had an acting career. But uh, I, like I said, Gunther is better. <laughs> it is. And me and Steven were talking a few days ago. I think something fun that we're going to do for the listeners in the future is... Uh, I'm going to go through and try to find every instance of one of Kelly's crazy-ass boyfriends and just go through the list of them. <laughs> I was thinking about making a survey on the uh, on the Facebook thing. Who is, the, who is your favorite Kelly's boyfriend? Mm-hmm. I like Poison, personally, from the uh, party episode at the, at the uh, Darcy... Wait, wait, they were the... Uh, they weren't the Darcy's then. It was the... Um, the roads. The roads, right. It's been so long. My memory... Oh, that fans. party they had over there? Yeah. Yeah, human oh. life means nothing to me. <laughs> I actually watched that one a few nights ago. <laughs> been going through the older ones lately. Anyhow, uh, yeah, he... Um, <laughs> I love the way he puts it because it's like she's going to break up with him. She's breaking up with this secret admirer who's selling all this stuff because... This guy knows how to treat a woman. But Stitch makes his plea. <laughs> okay, this is actually pretty funny. Yes, Stitch makes his plea of, Hey, I know how to treat a woman. Don't I always let you scream into the cloud's head when we get in food? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know... You know, relative. Come on, that's actually pretty sweet. I mean, she's got to lean over and shout through the window. So yes, obviously this guy, and he's dressed really funky. Like he is in a. It looks like a sweatshirt, a zip up that has the sleeves cut off. Yeah, I've never seen that before. <laughs> it is yeah, and he has his mustache. He looks unshaven and un unwashed. You know, unshowered. But you have to remember that Al is there to protect his little girl. Which is weird, you know, like, because he doesn't seem to give a crap until this, like, I, you see Stitch? <laughs> He's like, Stitch ain't giving him no food, so out you go. But first, twice in the wall, which the audience was so primed for. 
Which is weird because now that I'm thinking back on it, Stephen, that seems like a good creation for a season nine ending episode because there are all these callbacks to things that we've that we know about. We got Stitch, uh-huh. like. He literally looks like poison or venom, like wh- whoever it was from that party. And then you've got, and then you got smashing the uh, boyfriend's head into the wall. You got the food problems. It's like they're doing callbacks that the audience would know about. Yeah, there was a little obscure one in the episode. Have you driven a Ford lately? Steve says to Al, "Come on, Al, live a little. You can't go through your whole life ordering food through a clown's head." <laughs> oh yeah. Cook some food! <laughs> this sounds like Jack in the Box, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I've never actually eaten at Jack in the Box. So. I think I have, but. Do we I don't ha- remember. Do we have any fast food joints that where uh, the order box is somebody's head? I, I think can't so. think of any. Maybe at one time, they did have some weird heads like that. Mm. Bring them back. Get Ronald McDonald's head on there. Make Wendy's that I remember. mouth. And- I remember at one time, Box, not always, but sometimes it was Ronald McDonald's head, and you spoke into his the speaker which was in his mouth. I have an old college friend. His name was Mike. We recently reconnected through Facebook. He told this hilarious story when... Uh, he was going through a drive-thru, and he knew how they worked because he used to work at a drive-thru. And he said, what you need to do is start out real soft, like, yes, I want a Big Mac and an order of fries. And they'll say, what? Can you speak up? I'm speaking as loud as I can. I want a Big Mac and order of fries. Because inside, they're turning the volume up to try and hear you. And then after a few seconds, then he yells, yeah, I want a Big Mac and an order of fries. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I personally have never seen one of these heads mm-hmm. in the wild, but I since we always have to bring it up at least once, it's a Fox neighbor show. The Simpsons has a really funny thing where Sideshow Mel has it's the it's not an ordering box, it's a garbage can with Sideshow Mel's open mouth. And when you slide trash in, you hear him go Thank you. And Homer just finds it so delightful that he keeps throwing more stuff in there, including a car battery, which leaks into the ground and causes the pipes to burst <laughs> and everything to blow up. It's, oh, okay. I remember that one now. Okay. I was about to say, you'll, you may, you'll remember it once I go through the machinations. But I just, you know what? If I had garbage cans that said thank you every time I threw things away, I'd be, my car would be way less dirty. Oh, boy. But then, Kelly gets to meet her young admirer. I can't believe you guys are cleaning for a total stranger. Hey, you find some rich guy who keeps us knee-deep in steaks, we'll clean for him, too. Hey, Al. I think this thing is broken. Hey, unlike many of your other devices, that one doesn't need batteries. See, you plug that in. But where? Well, 
I can think of some places, Pam. Oh. That must be Kelly's gentleman caller. <laughs> oh, Al, a limo. Take me. Peg, I just ate. He's here. He's here. so nervous in my life. I'm on the edge of my feet. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, I'm gonna try this one last time. Please think about what you're doing. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm doing. <laughs> Hello, Miss Bundy. My name is Robbie Bennett, and I believe you're accompanying me to La Boheme. <laughs> You're my secret admirer? That's right. <laughs> oh, you are one cool guy. <laughs> Robbie, my man. Come on in, buddy. Have a seat. Uh, can I get you a drink? Yoo-hoo with a Bosco back? A soda would be cool. And uh, for you, little missy, shall I warm your baba? Get away from me, demon seed. Excuse me, Opie. Robbie. Of course. Mom, Dad, what am I gonna do? I'll charm him and conveniently forget to sign the prenup. Mom? Well, he's kind of cute. He's a fetus. <clears throat> Go. Just between you and me. Kelly always did like a man in uniform. So are you in the uh, Cub Scouts or Little League or anything? Get over here, dung beetle. And what am I gonna do? Okay, just, just answer me three questions, all right? One, how funny is this? Two, who the man? And three, how funny is this? Somehow, someway, I will get you for this. He comes over. He's going to get her a date. And it looks good at first. He's driving up in a limo. So Peg is really excited. Oh, I forgot about the limo part. <laughs> yeah. And then we find out the person is Robbie. Robbie Bennett. Robbie Bennett is played by Noah Segan, who has a really good list of acting credentials. Absolutely. Kelly should have stayed with him because he was going to be probably more successful than many of the actors on the on this show. Yeah, but he was born um, in... Um, 1987. No, he was born on October 5th, 1983. Damn. And he has a lot of good credits here. He was in the Babysitter's Club TV series. He was in Kablam. Some of you 90 kids will probably remember that one. Dawson's Creek, I do remember that show. CSI, he was in an episode of that one. He also spent some time with Days of Our Lives, another soap actor there. That's uh, Connor Lockhart. That is a soap opera name if I've ever heard one. Yeah, that's true. He was also in... Fanboys, Boba Fett, number two. And we're going to come back to Star Wars here in just a second. He was in-house, the TV series. 
Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. A lot of fun, guys. Watch that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, he was also in the movie Looper. Really good movie starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Noah was uh, Kid Blue in that one. And he was also in, believe it or not, The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Of course, then again... I wouldn't want that on my acting credits. <laughs> you know he, what? He no, 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 no. Steven, Steven, mm -hmm. that's Rise of Skywalker that sucks. Last Jedi was actually really good. People don't give it a good enough credit. It was trying to do some experimental things. An X-Wing pilot, Stark. 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 Not Stark with a C-K, not Stark yeah. with S-T-A-R-K. But uh -huh. it's a good movie, as well as Knives Out. So I've heard, but never actually seen Knives it. Out is good, but <laughs> I'm walking out. You like The Last Jedi. I can't be associated with someone who likes The Last Jedi. Well, you know what? <laughs> Fine. I bet you loved Palpatine and Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker? No, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. okay. All kidding aside, though, we'll never agree. You know. What's his I name again? His name is Noah Sagar. Yes, or what? Sagan. Excuse me, Noah and Sagan. Good-looking guy too. He actually grew up to be a good-looking man as well. Yeah, but anyway, he looks like a little punk though in this one. Yeah, a little overzealous punk. On top of that, oh, he looks like such a little fucking wiener. Oh, ah, I just, I seriously, you guys ever seen these kids that you just see them and you're just like. I want to spank that kid. That kid looks like he needs a real spanking or a good smack in the in the mouth to get that smug look off his face. This kid pulls that off so well. <laughs> yeah, he does, and that and it's this time when, when Kelly realizes what she has here, and that's when she calls him Opie, referring to Opie Taylor. You know, played by Ron Howard. Well, we need to work at synchronizing our hey, whistling. Hey, get ready, hey, one, two, three. <laughs> you know, when you're trying to laugh, it's harder to whistle. You know? <laughs> I never, I was never that good of a whistler, anyway. Oh boy! But if you haven't figured out what we're doing, go look it up. <laughs> the Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, we're going to um, have an. We're having a trouble here at the podcast crew because an episode is coming up, I think, this next season, and that's Enemies, mm. which is supposed to be another attempt at a spinoff, and it's probably considered worse than Top of the Heap. Which is amazing. Yeah, but <laughs> there are two guest stars in that one that are Ron Howard's parents. Oh, wait. Is this the, uh, is this the radio show one? No, no. No, that one already happened. Yeah, that one's this season. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Or I was on that one. I forgot about the third. Mm -hmm. You know what? Listeners, I can't even remember this third spinoff. I thought there were only two failures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, there's going to be another attempt. And anyway. a failure. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, something that uh, happens in this section too which is great. The kid Noah does a great job with this. They offer him something to drink. And what do they give him? They give him a sippy cup, like you would give like a toddler. A two-handled sippy cup. And this Noah picks up... Oh, yeah, I'm going to stop calling him. This Robbie grabs the cup by two handles and gleefully uses the sippy thing. This kid was ready for Marywood Children. 
Yeah, he was. This would have been, he would have been a better choice if they kept seven. I think. Oh, I was looking at the same thing. Like you know, there's an energy you need to have when you're coming on Married with Children. You need to be in on the joke, or you're just a crappy guest. This kid was great. You know, but something dawned on me when they gave him the sippy cup. First of all, do you think the Bundys would even have a sippy cup? Because seven, heck, huh? Seven. Oh, seven. Yeah, that's right. Continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's rare when it works. <laughs> well, still, it's kind of like, why would Alan Pegg have a sippy cup? Not for a seven-year-old. And mm. if they did get one for Bud and Kelly, why do they still have it? I mean, that's their, probably their wine glasses. I mean, like... <laughs> oh, maybe. Who knows? I just thought it was kind of strange. But I did... You're right. That kid played that so well when mm-hmm. he got that sippy cup. He was having the time of his life. <laughs> <laughs> But Kelly is, of course, disheartened at the idea of her of her admirer being such a young age. Um, what's his age? His age is 12 and a half. I know. Back then, the half meant something. Exactly. <laughs> and Kelly cannot be dating a 12-year-old. I mean, it was fine when she was six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit out of it. And but, what... what did you notice that Bud is actually proud to meet this kid? He's like, wow, you've got gusto for wanting to go out with my sister. And you know what? That's some BS that that's the double standard thing. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, my God. You know, uh, you know what? South Park, for all its failures, did a really, really good job emphasizing the double standard. Yeah. There's an episode where Kyle's kindergarten's brother is dating the teacher. And they go to the principal, I mean, they go to the police, and they're like, a, a teacher is dating a student. And they're like, what? Oh, we're going to get this SOB. What's this man's name? And they're like, actually, it's a female teacher. And they'll go, what? Yeah, she's dating my little brother. And they all look at each other and go, nice. Yeah, nice. Well, you also have to think <laughs> about it, too. There was an episode uh, in season six. Um God, what was it called? I can't remember, but uh, Bud was dating his uh, English professor. Remember that one? Yeah, I do. And yeah. it's it's something that our society has a pro- has a weird issue with, where it's not it doesn't seem as threatening when an older woman dates a younger man, even in this incredibly crazy thing. That I'm sorry, people would have problems with a 23 year old woman coming into a middle school prom but quite frankly i don't think they would have a problem with a high school i think she could get away with it in a high school one i think the issue's kind of turning a little bit possibly but uh, but she might be able to get get away with it back in the 90s totally could have yeah and that's creepy to think of that and me as a teacher i'm going to tell you real quick because uh you know i think all these people get caught doing the okay what really bugs me is, you know, is the double standard. But it amazes me that in this day and age, what makes people think they're not going to get caught? Between phones and texts and rumors spreading on text messages and other things. I mean, it's hard to contain. It's and, gusto. Yeah. <laughs> on top of that, it's really interesting. I find out a lot of people think, oh, it's an epidemic and it's happening everywhere. Well, it was always happening. Uh-huh. It's just that now there are a lot more teachers and a lot more students. And with also with the media that needs a 24-7 coverage of this stuff. 
Exactly. And that's the stuff they're looking for now. They're looking for females who sleep with their teachers. And something else, I didn't get into teaching until I was in Do my you mean late... You mean female teachers who are sleeping with their male students? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Something else, I got into teaching when I was in my mid late... Yeah, about my mid-30s. I started teaching middle school. I'm kind of glad I did. There was a wider age gap in there to stay away from them. You can literally tell these are children. Yeah. And then when I went to this, uh, I remember teaching at a, moving from junior high to high school is teaching. There was a few teachers coming in. They were like right out of college. They're only 22, 23. And they're teaching 16, 17, 18-year-olds. So you could see how they would think, oh, I can admire them and fall in love with them and things like that. It's kind of understandable to a certain point, I guess mm. you could say, how it could happen. I'm not condoning it. No. I'm just saying it's understandable. Because, say, if uh, 10 years later that kid is 26 and you're 33, there's not much of an age gap there, really. Exactly. And, listeners, if this may make some of our listeners uncomfortable, guess what? This episode, this is all this episode is about. Because at the end, they're going to like go into a more realistic kind of idea of Kelly with an older man. So, it's something that we have to actually bring up, and this is something that's been happening, as Stephen pointed out, all for a long time, and it's still happening now. And the only thing that's changing is that we're starting to understand the difference between physical interest in somebody, which 17, 18, two or three years later, they're going to be in college, and there's really nothing wrong with finding, you know, like, somebody at that age attractive. No crap. They're young, they're attractive, both men and women. It's when you think you want to date them. Robbie, I think, is right off with his way. You are my trophy. Like, you are to make me look cool and everything. He's not, he's not, he's actually being upfront with it. It's the ones who creep me out, Stephen, are the ones who are like, no, 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 it's okay. She's 17, I'm 39. But it's, we're special. I, we have an understanding. We understand each other. She's mature for age. I'm like, dude, no. No. Uh, you're, you're, you're trying to convince yourself as well as me. How can you have, I understand why the 17-year-old is interested in you, because they want to be an adult. But how are you interested, what do you have in common? Mm-hmm. Talk to a 17-year-old, any, any listener out there who's over the age of uh, 30, Find an attractive person you think is an attractive person who is under the age of 18, under the age of 25. Talk with them for 20 minutes, and you'll be like, God dang, this is annoying. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have the same maturity, same life experience. You know, and this, I was going to ask you a question mm-hmm. because I thought of one for me, but uh, when you're about 12 or 13, did you ever have a crush on, you know, like an older girl or something like that? <laughs> not maybe, not necessarily a teacher, but uh, someone who was maybe five, six years old that wouldn't have been interested in a 13, 12-year-old? Well, actually, not 12 or 13. I moved around to so many different middle schools that there I wasn't around enough people to actually think about that. Mm-hmm. But I do remember freshman year, I was 14 slash 15, so same age area. Sorry if you're listening to this, Mrs. O'Rourke, but uh, my geometry teacher was 
gorgeous. And she was the first teacher that actually made me understand math. She worked with me after school almost exclusively for like a, like a month or so. I passed geometry. So thank you, Ms. O'Rourke. But it was because she was the first teacher that I ever saw pregnant while she was teaching. And that told me, oh, to get pregnant means you have to have sex. Means Mrs. O'Rourke had to have sex. Means now I'm thinking about Mrs. O'Rourke having sex. Ergo, you know where I'm leading with this. And that was the first time that ever happened. And it made me realize, like, I... Gave her compliments here and there. And then I remember walking out of our tutoring session. And I saw myself in the mirror. And I saw, like, as a, a, a reflection in the window as I was walking out. And I just was like, oh, wow. I feel weird. I'm, 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 too, I'm too young for this. So I actively was like, this is, this is silly. <laughs> what are you even thinking about right now? And I, and I just kind of like, eh, threw it out of my head. But that was the first time that ever happened for me. Because hmm. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I was struggling with algebra so much, I had to get a tutor. The heck is up with these math people? Man. Yeah, I was horrible at math. Uh, I bar- anyway, my uh, tutor, her name was, I'll just say her name was Gail, first name. And she was a senior. I'm a freshman. And quite often I would just, you know, just look into her eyes and I would say, oh, wait a minute, what'd you say? Mm-hmm. And one time I thought of actually trying to kiss her. And I thought, fight it, fight it, because you don't want to do that. Because, anyway, it was just really weird. are you paying attention? What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, but she was a pretty... What's 60 plus 9, Stephen? Don't ask me that, Miss Gale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, boy. As our stories have told, this affects everybody. And I guess Mary with Children wanted to comment on that. I guess. Well, I don't know if it was commentary. (laughs) They're just trying to make a humorous thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Robbie is bringing it his all, and I I really appreciate it. Yeah. Robbie? Hi. (laughs) I think we need to talk. Isn't that cute, Al? They want to be alone. (laughs) Maybe we should go outside. graduation dance. Oh, Robbie. This is all, this is all very sweet and everything, but you see, our love could never be. I mean, it's a maturity thing. I mean, what are you, like, three? (laughs) Twelve and a half. Well, Robbie, I can't date a twelve-year-old. I mean, sure, when I was six, but it's different now. (laughs) Do you understand? No. I don't understand. Well, good, I'm glad... What? You think I gave you beef and roses just to get blown off? The Bennett family motto is, we see it, we want it, we get it. 
Well, the Bundy family motto is, it sees us, insults us, we kick its ass. Do you know who my dad is? Sure, your father. <laughs> well, yeah. But he also owns Bennett Enterprises, which owns Easy Off Jeans. So, here's the deal. You're on my arm at the prom and you get the commercial. You turn me down, and I promise you, you'll never work in this town again. We do find something fascinating about Robbie, because we're looking at Robbie as this sad little uh, child you know he's got a he's got a big boy crush he he's all in love with kelly no he's got some weird eric trump little thing going on here and i don't mean trump like political i mean what he was before that just rich people who think who know that they can just use their you know what i'm gonna say that a bit he's got some little Weinstein thing going on here where it's I'm gonna get what I want and I'm gonna use my power to hold it because dun 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 his dad is Mr. Bennett yeah well actually you know who his dad is first off his dad's his father yeah <laughs> but he's also the head of easy off jeans well, and that's it. That's the power that he has over her. Uh -huh. Because she's up for this commercial. His dad is the head of this uh, company uh -huh. that needs the commercial made. So he's holding that over her head to get her to go out with him. Yeah, they do have a really good, uh, like, think tete-a-tete -tete back and forth where he's like, the Bennett's motto is we see it, we want it, we get it. Yeah, that sounds like the Trump family. Mm -hmm. Even before but, him uh, being president. Yeah. But Kelly says the Bundys are much like the Tigno family. <laughs> People see us, they try to get us. Oh, no, they see us, they touch us, we kick their ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's lucky that little, that little kid, Robbie, didn't get his ass kicked. Oh. Well, at least not by the Bundys. Got his ass kicked by his dad, I guess. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, man, that... That's so that's so satisfying mm -hmm. to see a spoiled entitled little brat about to get it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. We'll we'll get to that listeners, but it was good. But you're my manager. You're supposed to be opening up doors for me. Now, what am I paying you 55% for? <laughs> How was I supposed to know you were going to start saying no to men? <laughs> All right. So you dance with a guy who comes up to your navel. It'll prepare you for later on in your showbiz career when, when you're dancing with Stallone or Cruz or Katie Lang. Well, I guess you're right. I mean, it's obvious that this kid has some power, so might as well go to the dance with him. There you go. I mean, what's the big deal anyway? Lots of starlets go out with younger guys, right? Cher, Madonna, Liberace. Just a junior prom. I can do this with my eyes closed and my hands tied behind my back. That's sort of like one of your real dates then, right? <laughs> You're fired. 
prepare you for later on in your showbiz career when you're dancing with Stallone, Cruz, or Katie Lang. Oh, I didn't get this joke until later. You're right. It was yeah. funny. Let's take a look at some heights here. Christina Applegate is five foot five inches. Which yeah. is so much shorter than she yeah. looks. Usually the camera makes him look taller. Mm -hmm. I know David Faustino was short. I thought he was 5'2", but it says here he's 5'3". Stallone is I... only 5'8". Cruz is only 5'7". And Katie Lang is only 5'9". Katie Lang it means her nose is coming up to my lips. So, yeah. like, wow. It's just amazing that, uh, like I said, uh, people have told me this, that the camera makes or on stage people look taller or maybe on tv they do it's just it's all about how you like stage something and mm -hmm. direct them i guess it would be really cool to take a photo with david faustino both of us standing up and him just being like coming up to my shoulder that'd be so weird yeah <laughs> uh -huh. anyway but kelly does capitulate and says Hey, what's the big deal anyway? Lots of Star Wars go out with younger guys, right? Cher, Madonna, Liberace. <laughs> Liberace. <laughs> All of them did date much younger guys. In the case of Cher and Madonna, they still do. <laughs> yeah, Liberace, not so much. Kelly, like so many poor actresses and people in and men in the entertainment business, acquiesces mm. and does what she needs to do to get the job. She is the date. Yes. I heard her talking outside. I think she just got held back. I bet you they're fake. Fun punch? Groin kick? Okay, Robbie, this is how it's gonna be. You have two hours. No talking, no touching. And if you ever call me your main squeeze again, you will not live to see your face clear up. Fine. I only have one rule. You have to dance every dance with me. Then do I get the commercial? Deal. And where do you hear the DJ? I found him in one of those hip-hop dance clubs. I hear he's slamming. Oh, yeah. I loved it when they walked in and the two boys were talking about Kelly. I heard she was left back a couple of times. <laughs> and then smash cut to those, like, 12-year-old girls, mm -hmm. like, standing, like, looking angry, going, oh, yeah, they fake. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you know about fake? You don't even have them yet. It's just, <laughs> okay. The kids in this dance are doing their job very well. She goes all out, too. She looks gorgeous at this date. Yeah, I think Robbie wanted that way. Mm -hmm. Trophy girlfriend. <laughs> Boy. So, all right. That'd be a real trophy. So we totally, uh, we're totally finding out that uh, Robbie Bennett's like this young trust fund kid. Do you think this Robbie would be going to a school of Gale Sayers Middle School? <laughs> no, it, it does. I agree with you. I thought the same thing. You'd think he'd be going to, uh, you know, a private school of some sort. Mm-hmm. Not Gail Sayers. Sorry, yeah. Miss Sayers, who 
is an American former professional. Wait a minute. It's the sports one. It's for me. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. Yeah. Please, football us away. Yeah. Gail Sayers was born May 30th, 1943. He was an American former football player. He earned acclaim as a halfback and a return specialist in the NFL with the Chicago Bears. It was only a brief career, though. He spent seven years with the Chicago Bears from 1965 to 71. And he had a few injuries. It limited only five seasons of play. He was known for his elusiveness and agility and regarded by his peers as one of the most difficult players to tackle because he was so agile and could move. He was also mentioned in Season 4, Episode 18, What Goes Around Comes Around. Also, Season 6, Episode 15, Just Shoo It. He did recently pass away. He, September 23rd, 2020. Oh, man. And if you, have, so if you have never seen the movie Brian's Song, you need to watch that one. Oh, Wow. It's an old TV movie about the relationship he had with uh, James Conn. Or, um, God, I can't think of it. Who did James Conn play in that movie? I forgot. Uh, Brian's song is was referenced so many times in Family Guy, you can't. I can't even count them. So I think I do need to see that at some point. Let's see here. Uh, Brian's song. Well, while Stephen is looking up uh, his little Brian song thing, I'm just going to segue into our next scene. Because they have entered the gymnasium. This does look like a realistic middle school dance. I'll give them that. Oh, Brian Piccolo. Played by James Gunn. He was uh, stricken with terminal cancer after turning pro in 65. Oh, he plays the titular Brian in Brian's song. Yes, that's hmm. right. Billy, he, D. He, Billy D. Williams? Ooh. Gail Sayers is, plays... Uh, is played by Billy D. Williams in Brian's song. No, he was played by teammate Gail Sayers, Billy D. Williams. I don't think that's correct. I mean, it's Wikipedia. It has to be correct. Well, we'll <laughs> find out here in just a second. Here. <laughs> We're having anyway a research but... wars. <laughs> Personally, I love when I hear this on podcasts when I, people are just like, "Wait a second, blah 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 blah." Off mic, I kind of love this stuff. Yeah, it was Billy D. Williams who played Gail Sayers. Billy D. Williams, or, as our Star Wars fans know... Lando Calrissian. Lando, Lando Calrissian himself. The real master of the castle run. <clears throat> Maybe. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yes, our little... Uh, as we back away from our Brian song retrospective... Um, back to the climax of our very anticlimactic episode. Uh, well, I wouldn't even like call. We're not to the climax yet. We still have to get through the party. <laughs> because I have to mention this it's at this dance. dance. Of course, all these boys are just thrilled. They think, man, this is one hot. Robbie, you did it. I mean, you, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and you survived it. And what, Can I actually say one thing, Stephen? Yeah. We're giving a lot of me and steven are going to rip this episode apart on our uh, review or like our final final review but i just want to give props where props are due we gave props to uh robbie for like really giving us all every single child at this dance is doing perfect like they are all acting like stereotypical middle school dweebs all the girls are acting like little mini kelly's in training everyone is just 
it's just really good and it makes me sad because it's but they have all these like a plus actors doing exactly what they need to do this episode really could have been awesome yeah one of the actors was a uh, christopher christopher miranda you know when he was acting he was all in the 90s pretty much he did a, an episode of Wings, which we recently talked about towards the beginning of this season. He also was in a Lois, an episode of Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman, the 90s version. He was also in um, Friends. He had a couple of episodes of that. And he was also in Party of Five and Seventh Heaven, if you remember that show. Party of Five. Uh, again, the only thing I even know about Party of Five is Family Guy. That's all I know. But Superman, The Adventures of... Uh, what did you call it? The Adventures of... of Lois and Clark. Yeah. yeah. I've actually been getting in on that on HBO Max. It's pretty good. Mm. But apparently it sucks once they get married. So... Well, I don't know. It wasn't a regular on my list. There was also another boy. His name was Matt Zusser. But he only has two acting credits. And then there are a couple of girls. One is Lindsay Bartleson as Megan. She was born July 1st, 1983. She has 42 credits, including Extra Butter, Please. Never heard of that one. But it had a prominent role in it, obviously. Ooh, Psycho Girlfriend, the TV show? Oh, that was hilarious. I never saw that one. Oh, it was only on oh, for a year. Grounded for Life. I remember that one. Malcolm At least in the a Middle. few episodes. Uh-huh. Ju- Judging Amy. Remember her? That uh, 70s show, she was in that a couple of episodes. Young Millennials, she was in Fillmore. Yeah, Party of Five again. We got a lot of Party of Five people <laughs> I mean, in here. That's why the show went off the air. We pulled all the characters out from Very Good Children. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, she was in The Faculty, that movie that you talked about not too long ago that you really enjoyed. I did. That I was did. a fun movie. I really liked that one. And then there was one other girl, Jessica Smith as Jenny. Of course, we mentioned Meghan Markle, but uh, anyway, she only has two acting credits, or three, Married with Children, Mary and Rose, White and Blackout, and whatever this is on... Reds. Oh, well. She was herself in that one. You've never seen Reds? (laughs) No, I'm a good... uh, I I don't believe in godless communism. (laughs) That's all I. That's all I believe in, though. <laughs> it's got to be godless, though. None of that. None of yeah. those God-fearing communists. And the delivery guy, Burdell Cook, he only has two acting credits. But moving on in the uh, plot here, uh, finally, Kelly does agree to dance with uh, Robbie. Well, well, hold on. The rules are this: no touching, no smile, no uh, no touching, no talking. And if you and if he refers her refers to her as his main squeeze one more time, he ain't gonna live to see his face clear up. Now, now you don't mind if I uh, make a few adjustments to your song list now, do you? Hello, departing graduates of Gail Sayers Middle School. Hello, Principal Albertin. Oh, Robbie, nice catch. Yeah! And now, please welcome tonight's happening rapping DJ, Rockefeller. Yeah. Yo, 
yo, yo. DJ Rockefeller's in the house. Hold the bus. I know that house. Uh, now tonight, instead of the usual fat beats and bass lines, I thought we'd slow it down a little as a tribute to the walrus of love, Mr. Barry White. This is a slow song. You said every dance. <laughs> now DJ Rockefeller sending shots out to all the players over there and all the fly honeys over here. But I'm giving mad props to my boy Robbie and to his lady of the night. <laughs> I mean, of tonight. <laughs> And now we will join Bud in playing a little music from the walrus of love himself, Barry White. We forgot to mention that Bud has crashed this party. By the way, did you think this was the same gymnasium that they used in What Goes Around, Come Around? A hundred percent. Yeah. I was just thinking of her getting her her, uh, her that towel ripped right off of her. Yeah. I was a hundred percent sure. But I will give the credit, episode credit. I was a hundred percent sure when Robbie said, I got a DJ, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be Bud, it's gonna be Grandmaster B. But then when it smash cuts to Bud tying this other guy up, <laughs> it is subverted by expectations, I'll give him that. <laughs> I always kind of wondered, I thought he kind of looked like a little, the, the guy he tied up looked a little bit like Michael Moyer. I'm kind of wondering if that wasn't him. And, I don't think so. I don't think it was Michael Moyer. <laughs> well, anyhow, you know, he's going to be there and he's going to try and embarrass Kelly too. <laughs> but he's eventually going to come to her rescue. But first, before playing hours and hours of slow songs, which the students creepily are like sitting down and watching them dance. Yeah. Well, there was a coronation after a certain point, the king yeah. and queen. The fuck the hell was that about? Where all of a sudden, like, it's a commercial break. Okay, you know what? See, sometimes these episodes need to be watched with the idea that there's going to be commercial breaks because that would have been funny to literally go on commercial break and then come back to after the coronation and they're dancing with crowns on. But that caught me off guard. I'm still trying to figure out why would a sixth grade middle school have a graduation dance? Well, yeah, you're. Uh, no, I can believe that. You're not at that time. It wasn't. Uh, well, some so schools. I mean, because you're going from middle school to high school, you are graduating. That's an excuse to have fun and everything. I can see that. I mean, we had a dance every year at middle school that was kind of like that. I think it was more like a middle school to a junior high school. Mm. Because he, he'd be going about the seventh grade. No, he's, junior no, high. no he's 12. He, he's in eighth grade. No, wait. No, that's, uh, usually a, that's usually seventh grade. Hey, you're right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Or sixth grade, usually. Well, he's 12 and a half, though. Yeah, so, so he's about to become 13, which, which would be... Seventh grade. About seventh grade, roughly. Yeah, because like, fifth freshman is like 14, 15. You know, real quick, I do want to mention one other actor, Damien Leake, who played Principal Alberton. Mm-hmm. Alberton, however you say it. He does have a, an actual pretty impressive internet mo- uh, profile. 
because he has starred in a couple, so a couple of my favorites in here, and that includes oh, I missed it in here. He was in the original Highlander movie. He was another immortal who <gasps> fought with Cat. Was he the one he met up on the bridge and they yeah. had that drink together? Yeah. He oh. Was, yeah, he was in that one. He was in Tyler Perry's Assisted Living recently. He was in Good Girls. He was in The Baxters, which was a short... I think that's still on, is it? It is. Yeah. He was in um, Major Crimes, Susanna, Who the F is Uncle Joe? That was short. <laughs> I, I've seen that. It's hilarious. He's also been another General Hospital, okay? Another oh. soap star. Or, Saving Grace. Yeah. Oh, Nip Tuck. That's where I forgot. I knew I saw him in something, but I couldn't remember. <gasps> He's Dr. Moss? I yeah. love Nip Tuck. Yeah, The Young and the Restless, another soap opera role. And he was also in Boston Legal as Referee Jack. The couple Bold. Of episodes. The Bold and the Beautiful. Yeah. Lizzie McGuire. So he has a quite a, a stellar acting credits here. He was also in The Cosby Show. Wow, who could say they've been in The Cosby Show and Married with Children? Mm-hmm. I mean, really yeah. think about that. So let, let me let me just say, I'm looking through this, uh, I'm, I'm seeing Steven's screen too. Such a nice thing to see this right now. I'm looking at Steven's screen and we're going through all these uh, credits. A lot of television and stuff and let me tell you, <laughs> uh, one of my friends told me a long time ago, there's a difference between like a high movie star and then a high television star. Somebody who plays in a lot of television shows. The movie star has got a beautiful, beautiful, two beautiful Lamborghinis. You can have those, or you can have 500 Toyota Corollas. <laughs> like, which that's the difference in the level of like uh, fame and fortune you can make from television. One of his first roles was in Apocalypse Now as a machine gunner. Ooh. And in two of my favorite 70s movies, Serpico as Joey and Death Wish as Ally Mugger number two. Yeah, that's the original Death Wish from 1974 starring Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson as a man, who, a liberal whose heart bleeds for the disenfranchised. <laughs> Is that what he calls himself? That's literally, I literally quoted what he says. Like, yes, my heart bleeds for the disenfranchised. <laughs> Bug, you've got to help me. Hey, I would like to, but you fired me. I only took this gig to make ends meet. Okay, okay, you're unfired. Now just get me out of this. Play something fast. Okay, but I want 80%. And, and I want a photo of you and Robbie together. Why? In case someday I want 90%. Okay, okay. Just... a birthday party coming up and I bet you look pretty hot in a swimsuit. I think I just might keep you. Look, Macaulay, this is America. And nobody owns anybody in America. Well, 
Except for maybe the guy who's married to Anna Nicole Smith, but... <laughs> you certainly do not own me. Well, then I guess you don't care about your career. Not if it means kissing your little Power Ranger butt. And Kelly runs over to Bud and goes, Bud, you've got to help me. And Bud goes, go ahead. Hey, I'd like to, but you fire me. And I only took this gig to make ends meet. And she says, okay, you're on fire. Just get me out of this. Play something fast. Okay, but I want 80%, and I want a photo of you and Robbie together. God. Oh, man, he's going for it. Why? In case someday I want 90%. That 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 was pretty funny. Okay, I, yeah. I will give him that. <laughs> I, want a fo- I want 80% of your earnings, and I want a photo of you, too. Why do you want the photo? In case someday I want 90 <laughs> and there's another, another reference she also tells him look Macaulay this is America and nobody owns anybody in America except for maybe that guy who is married to Anna Nicole Smith Ooh. God. Yeah, I mean, that was a gold digger I, they knew they both knew what was going on Yeah, I, I remember that Anna Nicole Smith thing everyone's like look at this 90 year old guy she's with and I'm like yeah you don't think they both know what's going on? He got money. She hot. Who cares? Like, who cares? Yeah, because she, Anna Nicole, Anna Nicole Smith, she was like a plus-size model in the 90s, and she married James Howard Marshall II, and he died, like, within a couple of years, if that. And you know what? He had a great couple of years with her. I'm yeah. sure he did. Like, and who cares? Who gives a crap but the apparently the entire media and courts needed to be up their butts about it yeah and they were married for 14 months that was it just not even a oh, barely a year yeah when you're like 90 years old though that's like 14 months is like a lifetime i don't know <laughs> either way your lifetime is going to end yeah she also referred to him as macaulay calkin of course y'all know the great macaulay calkin he is known for playing Kevin McAllister in the Christmas film Home Alone. And he was nominated for a Golden Globe. I didn't know that about him. Uh, he was also in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Or it should have been called Home Alone 2, the same plot. He was also in films like My Girl. That was my favorite one with him. The Good Son. My favorite one from him. What? The Good Son. You like that one? It is incredible incredibly bad but awesome at the same time okay i was about to say that's... elijah wood and macaulay calkin like macaulay calkin looks like he just walked off the set of home alone that's how old he is in that movie mm-hmm. and he looks right at, at elijah wood and goes don't fuck with me and just hearing him hearing a child say that word just so deadly i can imagine all the old women in the in the movie they're going oh <gasps> Oh my. Yeah, and he did some, you know, pretty terrible things, obviously, as a young boy. But anyway. He's a good actor. He is, he is. And I thought it was interesting that the two, probably two of the biggest kid stars of the 90s, Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin, were paired for that one. Mm-hmm. I know Macaulay Culkin's dad, who was his agent, kind of worked to get that one after... Um, I think after Home Alone 2, or maybe it was Richie Rich. He also did that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I personally do think his brother, Rory Culkin, is better is a better actor than he is. 
Oh, yeah, and one more thing about Macaulay. I'm surprised this isn't mentioned in here. He was in Uncle Buck. Oh, sh- oh yeah, you're right. He was. <laughs> that was his real breakthrough thing. That's when people thought, now that kid needs... He's going places. A, yeah, is going places. Oh, a little, one thing that's a little not known about the McCulkins, horrible, horrible family. Like, they pimped those kids out and robbed their money so bad. Like, you guys think Michael Jackson had it bad? Macaulay Culkin's family, like, they just leached off their children so, so horribly. It's it's just, it's not well known, and yeah. it should be. You know, Gary Coleman, his life was kind of the same way for very similar reasons. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to Married with Children. We know that... Uh, back to more fun children doing creepy things. Yes. Uh-huh. After the coronation, um, Kelly finally gets Bud to play a, stand, a song that's like faster and she like shoves Richie off uh Robbie off of her and starts dancing away cuts to her just I like it I call it casual hip bumping music where she's just standing by Kelly's just standing by a table going like bump 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 bump, bump like dancing to the music and these dudes behind her are just like mesmerized mesmerized by her and I don't worry kids I was too <laughs> and then that's when uh, little Robbie gets a little bit upset because oh, he, he bought his date. Oh, he says something creepy, really creepy, something about her in a swimsuit. Here. Oh, actually, I remember it. While, while Steven's looking, I'll, I'll rem- I remember the actual creepy line. He goes, so Kelly, I got a birthday coming up. You look real good in a swimsuit. I think I might just keep you. Yeah, here it is. You know, Kelly, I have a birthday party for when I turn 13 this summer. I think you look pretty in a hot, pretty hot in a swimsuit. I think I just might keep you. And that's when she calls Macaulay Culkin. This is America, and nobody owns anyone in America, except for maybe that guy who's married to Nicole Smith, Mm -hmm. which we just talked about, too. And then Robbie gets upset again, and... Bud has to introduce Robbie's dad. You know, I have a mind to tell your father about this. Go ahead. My father has no control over me. I'm almost 13. I do and say what I want, when I want. And now, boys and girls, Principal Al Burton, uh, I'd like to introduce a very special guest and the power behind King Robbie, his dad, Bennett J. Bennett. Hello, son. Hi, Dad. You tie? Yep. Same old belt, though. (laughs) But we'll talk about that later. Thanks for the phone call, homie. (laughs) Word up. (laughs) I owe you. Hey, listen, uh, Kelly gets that jeans gig, and uh, we'll call it even. Done. Let's go, son. Another time out, Dad? (laughs) Maybe. If the belt unravels. (laughs) Hey, thank you, bud. Anytime, Kel. Hope I didn't embarrass you too much out there. Nah, it's okay. Really? Let's try this then. Uh... 
Now, boys and girls, I'd like to read a little excerpt from Queen Easy's Royal Diary. Uh, November 43rd. Uh, today, I developed a rather embarrassing personal problem. Ooh, okay, hold on, though. Hold on. Because this only works if you heard what Robbie says about his dad beforehand. Oh, yes, that's right. Because he's like, my dad's a pushover. He lets me do what I want, when I want. And I just snap my fingers and he'll like... Basically, he really demeans his father. And that's when Bud's like, hold on. We got to have our guest of the evening. The king of Prince Robbie. Mr. Mr. Bennett. Bennett. And... He turns around and is standing right next to his son. Ooh, it's good. So let's introduce our final guest for the evening, Mr. Bennett himself. Okay, Mr. Bennett. He is played by Harry S. Murphy. And about Harry S. Murphy. Also has a pretty good... um, He looked familiar. Yeah, he's done a lot. He has 94 credits. In fact, he's also been on... Oh, he was on How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. He had an episode of that. He was also in General Hospital. I swear to God, if he was on Party of Five, I'm... <laughs> he was in Race to Witch Mountain, the remake that was made back in 2009. Charlie Wilson's War, that was a pretty good movie. The War at Home, Principal Fink, I like oh, that one. He was in um, Evan Almighty as uh, Evan's neighbor. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Uh, who's your daddy? Oh, wait, go back up. Actually, uh, oh, uh, millennials. He was in Drake and Josh as Mister Crenshaw, and Desperate Housewives as in, in as Headmaster Lentz. He was in Arrested Development, one episode of that. He was in the West Wing TV series. Curb your enthusiasm. Six Feet Under, Boston Public, Friends, Law and Order, SVU, Just Shoot Me. The Michael Richards Show. Oh, God, that was a disaster. He was in an episode of ER and Diagnosis Murder. He was a guidance counselor in Sabrina the Teenage Witch from 2000. He was in Dharma and Greg as Richard in one episode. He was also in Home Improvement. He was Dr. Lee in 2001 A Space Odyssey. So he had a lot of them. Let's see, Seinfeld, Office Manager. He was in Mad About You, Third Rock from the Sun. I've been binge-watching that one this summer. Dang it! Party of Five! Wow! It's like a Party of Five reunion. Married with Children's killed Party of Five because it took all their freaking actors for this one episode. The Cosby Mysteries. Different episodes. Oh, wait, was that the Cosby show or was that a show? No, that was the Cosby Mysteries. It was a TV series they tried... He was in Super Mario Brothers. Murphy Brown. (laughs) Matlock. Kojak. Mama's Family. Frankenstein General Hospital. Never heard of that one. (laughs) Perfect Strangers. Oh, I love that TV show. That was a great show. I wait, isn't that that's the one theme was I was I bet we've been together for a million years. No. No? What was that? Family Ties. Dang it. Oh wait, what was uh Perfect Perfect Strangers was uh uh, Bronson Pinchot played cousin, um, or played a uh, Balky Bartokamus try- from a little island in the Mediterranean. It was fictional Mythos. Uh, I had to see- and his friend uh, and his co- American cousin was uh, 
uh, cousin Larry from the United States. He was played by Mark Lynn Bishop. Pretty good actor, and they were great friends. But that was a fun show. It lasted for about, uh, I think, four or five seasons. I'm trying to remember because I had a CD with all these like famous theme songs from the 70s and 80s. That's and one of them. It's a pretty good theme song. How does song. it go? Uh, like standing tall on the standing wing. tall yeah. on the wings of my dreams. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so yeah, he has a lot of acting credits. But back to the show, so yes. we can wrap up its discussion. But here. only one credit, as far as I know, where he's going to unravel a belt on a young boy's bottom. Yeah, <laughs> bo- I love it. Robbie says, "Hi, Dad." Thanks this tie. New tie, new tie, same belt. Oh! <laughs> Did your father ever hit you with, uh, spank you with a belt? Nope. I was physically reprimanded twice, both by my mom. My dad was a threat, and mom <laughs> implemented. Yeah, I got spanked a few times. I got spanked more by my mom, got spanked a few times by my dad. They never used a belt or anything. I do remember one weekend I was visiting my grandparents in Stillwell, and me and my cousin, I don't want to get into all the details, we got into a heap of trouble, and our grandfather decided to give us a whipping. And when you're in Stillwell, Oklahoma, you had to... Do you, have to cut down a, do you have to cut down a switch? A hickory switch, <gasps> yeah. You had to cut down a switch? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> and so, anyway, my cousin and I, we got whipped by our grandfather, and rightfully so. I don't want to go into all the details. But. Oh, see, they, that's, that's insult to injury. They make mm. you cut it down. In Michigan, now, I didn't get it, but my mm. neighbor's my neighbor's kid mm. told me <laughs> he got the wooden spoon. The one with the holes, wind resistance. Yeah. Ooh. You know, and thinking about this, when uh, Kelly mentioned Opie, calling him Opie, kind of reminded me of uh, one of my favorite episodes of Andy Griffith, when Opie has a friend from Mount Pilot, and he the boy keeps riding on the street, riding on riding on the sidewalks on his bicycle, oh. and he was worn by Barney, but the kid did it anyway. So Barney confiscated the bike, and they had to call that boy's dad in. And the dad, he was giving this kid everything he wanted, everything. And he said, was it so hard to, is it so, you're treating like a criminal, you're being too hard on him, and we need to have this bike. And finally, uh, the boy said, Arnold, that was his name. He said, my dad's not afraid of you. He'll go to jail. And Andy says, let me get this straight. You'd rather me lock your father up than lose your bike? And the boy yells, I want my bike back. <laughs> and at this point, <laughs> the, boy's, the boy thinks he has it made. And uh, Arnold's father says, there's no need to uh, impound the bike. I like it. I'm going to sell it. <sighs> and the boy starts crying again, fake tears. And Andy says, Sir, would you like to go and have a family discussion out back? What? I said, we have a nice little woodshed out back. Would you like to go and have a discussion with him? Mm. And the man thinks, an old-fashioned woodshed. (laughs) A.K.A. a whooping in the woodshed. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm usually against physical punishment like that. Because all you're doing, especially by dads, moms, like as me and Stephen both just said, Moms can implement the whipping. Like, that's that mean that means more. 
dads, you're just you're already intimidating and imposing. Although this this freaking kid deserved it. Ooh. Yeah. Sometimes I think a whipping will speaks a little bit more to you. Mm-hmm. Oh wait a minute, I forgot to mention something. So Bud rescues Kelly. And then he turns it around and says, now that I'm working for her again, I want to read to you from her diary. I didn't like that. I didn't like that one bit because I thought this was going to end the way it should have ended. Bundy's stick up for Bundy's uh-huh. at the very end. But they mess with that by having him stick up for her and then immediately shoot her down again. And Bud doesn't have any, like, um, uh, what is it? Like, he doesn't suffer anything from that from Kelly. So they're yeah. breaking with their own formula. And I don't like that. You're right. I, it should have ended with him going like, hey, Bundy, stick together. And then fade to this weird ending. Won't you at least have a pork chop, bud? No, I don't want any of your tainted pork. <laughs> Does no one but me worry that Kelly's now dating Robbie's dad? And the guy's 20 years older than her. Are you never happy? <laughs> Thank you for taking me to Madame Butterfly, Bennett. It's kind of disappointing, though. I mean, there was no caterpillar. There was no cocoon. There was no struggle to break free in the spring. God, you're beautiful. Oh, Al. Isn't this sweet? The sweetest. Anyway, Kelly, I just want to say that I've really fallen for you these last few weeks. You're everything I've ever wanted in a woman. You're young and blonde and young. Will you marry me? Would you excuse me for just a minute? Mom, how do you know if someone is Mr. Wright? Well, when you're with him, do you hear bells? No. Oh, it doesn't matter. He's rich. Marry him anyway. Because the Bundys are still eating. Yeah, a good-looking chocolate cake and pork chops. Those pork chops look actually real. Yeah, they look like real pork chops. <laughs> Big pork chops, by the way. And But Bud the, is not liking them. He's refusing to eat again. Because now Kelly is being exploited not by Robbie, but by <laughs> Robbie's dad. <laughs> Can't you ever be happy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's weird. It's so weird. Like... Okay, go with this. I was I just thought of this while we were we were talking, Stephen. So, if they had had this episode flipped, where it started with Kelly dating the owner of Easy Off Jeans, and then it ends with this joke of her dating the son, wouldn't that have actually made a little more? I don't know. Like, don't don't worry, mom and dad. I found a new, uh, a, a better person who's a better person age-wise. You wanted me to date someone younger, and it's the son, the twelve-year-old son. That would have been a funny, like, marry with children go around in my mind. If you had to have these this if, dynamic, if they had some good writers, and I don't think mm-hmm. the writers really planned this one out very well. No, or maybe there was like a lot of rewrites or something. 
It's, but anyway. Yeah, it's just, it, there's really not much to say about this. Like, she come. oh yeah, there, there is one thing, yeah. She comes in, she's dating the dad of Mr. Bennett himself, and he has some creepy line where he's like, you're everything I ever wanted a woman. You're young, you're blonde, you're young. At least he's being honest. Again, they're sleep. Him and his son are sleazeballs, but at least they're honest. And you're wondering. He wants to marry her. Yeah, he pops the question. And Al, <laughs> Al like, immediately freaks out, runs to the phone book, and starts dialing numbers. And he dials Gary. Yeah. From Gary's Shoes. Daddy, what do you think? Gary? Uh, yeah, Al Bundy. Remember me? I used to work for you when we were poor. <laughs> yeah, we're moving on up. <laughs> That's right to the east side. He's like, remember me? I used to work for you when we were poor. Yeah, we're moving on up. That's right, to the east side. And he is singing it a little bit later. Of course, he doesn't know that they have just broken up. Uh, what's he singing, Stephen? He's singing the Jefferson's theme song. Which, listeners, you should you you should have been like, ah, oh, duh, the Jefferson's theme songs, you guys have talked about it enough. Right, and we've inserted <laughs> it in there, especially me when I, when I produced uh, Dances with Wheezy. Yep. <laughs> but uh, even Peggy was for this marriage. But uh, Oh, I like her attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, do you hear wedding bells? No. Ah, screw it. He's rich. Marry him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know what Peggy wants there. Well, how about it, Kelly? Will you be my wife? Well? We all think that Kelly is going to end up almost immediately with this dude, but in comes her ripped sweatshirt night. Stitch. Stitch. I... Kelly, <laughs> something's still not right. No, I can't shake this feeling that there's someone else. <laughs> but in case our love can never be, I wanted you to have this. <laughs> oh, Stitch, you're a much man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bennett, but as the Chinese philosopher Unconscious once said, (laughs) it is better to have loved and lost than to have never seen lost in space at all. Oh, well, in seven years, she'd have been 30. We should tell Dad. Nah. Let me look at him. When will you ever see him that happy again? Fish don't fry in the kitchen. He's on the grill. But yeah, like that stitch came back and gives her. Is it? Is it spark? Are they spark plugs or? It's some kind of car thing, wires, wrapped in a ring, and puts it on her wrist, and you hear, ding, 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 
which I think is like a car opened door like dingy. Pro- yeah, that's what it sounded like. You're right. <laughs> but it's bells in her ears, and then she just goes off with him. And when Kelly says to Stitch, oh, Stitch, you are a much man, that's a callback to Hondo. That was one of Al's lines to Steve when Al says, wow, Hondo, you are a much man. That was in season two, episode 21, The Father Load. Yes, yet another reference to Hondo. Anyhow, but Kelly has to turn him down. <laughs> this was funny. Yeah. She said to him, but as the Chinese philosopher unconscious was said, I think she meant Confucius, it is better to have loved and lost than never seen lost in space at all. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a lot of truth to that. First of all, Confucius, he was a Chinese philosopher and politician in the spring and autumn period. The philosophy of Confucius is known as Confucianism. And there are a lot of uh, good sayings and good wisdom into it. But more I want to talk about Lost in Space. It's an Amer- and This was the American science fiction TV series. Irwin Allen created it. It originally aired between 1965 and 1968, and it was inspired by the Swiss Family Robinson novel of 1812. This series followed the adventures of the Robinsons, a pioneering family of space colonists. They struggled to survive the depths of space. It ran for 83 episodes over three seasons. It ran opposite of Star Trek. How Lost in Space got the ratings over Star Trek, I'll never know. It was a family thing. And shows back then, if you centered them around a family, they were always going to be more familiar and better received by non-adventurous television watchers of that time. The fact that Star Trek, a non-family-based thing, was got so many ratings is still insane. Yeah, and real quick on that, I just think it's a. It was also sad what happened to the Lost in Space stories, because I liked it. Oh, it uh, turned out sto- having a horrible ass movie in the in yeah. later on. Well, I'm not. I'm not even to that yet. But I'm talking about <laughs> the series itself. They yeah. had a few good episodes that I liked, that kind of had some meaning to them. But I, I really want to talk about when it got really cheesy and really corny, especially with the Great Vegetable Rebellion, when you had the main <laughs> character or guy dressed as a carrot, and they're fighting back and oh god that was awful and then the other thing that really happened is that eventually it stopped becoming lost in space it became the robot will and dr zachary smith show because every script was given mostly to those people and it created some resentment on the cast in fact guy williams was supposed to be the star and he was shoved into second place because fans love Dr. Zachary Smith. Much like Urkel took over... Um, Family Matters, yeah. yeah like it, Very similar to that. became the Urkel show. And that's pretty much it because she walks out and there's... That's the end of the show. Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for checking out this review. Steven, uh, how many sippy cups? <laughs> how many sippy cups are you gonna drink with both hands on this episode of Mary with Children? Two. Two. I thought this was a very lazy episode. Mm. I thought it was a less than caliber season finale. They have so much to work with. They've introduced a lot more characters. Miranda, I, I can never remember all of her name. I'm not going to even try. Uh, Ike and Bob Rooney and Griff, you know, no ma'am. They didn't use those uh, characters. And I just thought, well, there were some good laughs in here, mostly with Kelly's uh, one-liners. I just thought it fell flat. It felt more like something you would insert into the middle of the season, like uh, near, uh, you know, near the, before the break, like in December or maybe January or maybe in in April. But they put it in sweeps month, the last the last episode of uh, that season. I just didn't buy that. I, and I thought I've seen them do a whole lot better than this. Well, Stephen, I have to say, you when you go first in the ratings, it always helps me contextualize mine. I am going to have one and a half sippy cups. Mm. And the only reason I am not angry like we were on the episode we shall not speak of, Kelly breaks out. You just spoke of it. I know. I, I said, but true. The only reason I'm not as mad as I am right there is because we have this very unique opportunity to having Steven right next to me doing this live in, in the studio. That's the only reason, because this episode follow, doesn't follow any of the Mario Children format. It nope. has no B-plot. It doesn't make any use out of its good characters. Um, that we have, like you mentioned, Bob Rooney and the other members of No Man. Jefferson is barely in it for maybe a minute. It's almost insulting, the little 30 seconds he has in there. Um, it doesn't have a good uh, open to close. Like, it doesn't go back on, on what it's opening up. It brings up a very weird issue that is an issue back then and now of underage relationships both men and women and how they can flip around and it doesn't comment on them and it's just it has laughs i I did laugh a few times and that's where the half comes from and the guest actors really put their all into it i thought that i'll give it a credit on that yeah but that's almost makes it worse because now i'm like you had all these good guest actors who were giving it their all with a better with better writing and better formula you could have actually gotten a good episode out of it. At least with Kelly Breaks Out, it was all shit. Yeah. This one actually was shit filled with like little nuggets of tasty things. But it's still coded in shit. And I'm not even using a swear word. I'm talking about it as a noun. And it just it bothers me the more and more we talk about it. I remember when it ended, I'm just like, well, that's it? It's over? Yeah, it ends really quick and really abrupt. You know, backing up, we were talking about Ship Happens not too long ago in part two, and you didn't like it. I still liked it to us. Uh, I still liked it. And to me, the best part was the closing because Gilbert Godfrey comes back in the end. And I've changed my. I, I've kind of softened on Ship Happens. And you got to like. 
I gotta I gotta stop looking at them two parters as individual episodes and look at them how they work together as a whole. This one as a formula for Mary with Children, as uh, utilizing all the characters correctly, following the whole theme and coming back on it, because that's something Mary with Children is good at. It's really good at getting one joke at the beginning and hammering the heck out of it through the entire episode and then coming back towards it at the end. And the fact that it's where it's placed in the season. Yes. At the end, that's the worst. So I'm sorry, Mary with Children listeners, that you had to go out on such a nasty episode, but I hope me and Steven <laughs> gave you some entertainment for it. And uh, right. go back in. I'm feeling better about season 10. We've been working on these episodes. We've been look- I've been previewing the episodes myself, and I think we're going to have a lot more fun with season 10. Oh, I agree. We also kind of worked out all the things to make this easier. Because like, like I said, when I produced Ship Happens, I got it done in three days. <laughs> or Ship Happens Part 2. Well, this one's going to have a lot of bleeps. For, again. Like. Well, anyhow. But look forward to us in the future. Because the next one will be our Season 9 retrospective. Mm-hmm. The best and the worst of Season 9. That's going to be hopefully all of us. Hopefully, yes. It's really difficult when now, you know, it, when Alex and uh, Dan and Jamie were doing it, you had to work between three people. Now we have to work with all the teams. We have uh, six people all together. Yeah, I remember, Stephen. I edited that first one with all of us at once. That took forever. Yeah, six tracks mm-hmm. or five tracks, was it? Uh, Annabelle, Matt, you, me, Luigi. I don't think Chris was there, was he? Chris, I. No, Chris was there, okay. I think. I can't remember. At the very least, there were five. And remember, two of us, poor Matt, poor Matt and Annabelle, are in, Cal- are in Australia, which is like a 12-hour time difference. So it's it was in, it's insane, but these retrospectives are so much fun. And, and we're going to make it work for you guys. Oh, and um, I just remembered something in my notes. I want to ask the uh, community out there. In this episode... Kelly's sitting on the couch. It's the disgusting 30 seconds where they just throw Jefferson away. Kelly's wearing a weird shirt. It's a black shirt with a red... First, I think it's a glittered heart. And Steven, you thought it looked like a bastardized version of the Rolling Stones' tongue album cover. Right. And then I was thinking, maybe it's like the anatomical heart? You know, the shape of the actual organ? I have no idea, and usually they're really spot on with Kelly's wardrobe. If anybody in the community can tell me what the heck that is, any ladies out there or anything, I'm generally curious. Hell, I am too. (laughs) I'd love to know what that was. But until next time, you guys have a wonderful day. The Jeffersons, uh, the Merriwood Children podcast was recorded on tape before a live audience.